So uh, you're pouring something else. Yes. It's a very beautiful uh, amber color. Beautiful color. Thank you. I like to uh, somehow describe the color in marrying terms, but I'm unable to. <laughs> oh, this one's also from Masthead. I am going back to the slide right now, and this is going to be... You guys drink faster than me. <laughs> the Dabblebach. Oh. It's a big multi-lager brew to help celebrate the arrival of spring. We do need help. ABV of 7.3. Oh, Cheers. Oh my gosh, yes, yeah. yeah. We're going to some apparitions soon enough. <laughs> yes, here we go. Not much nose to it. Mm -mm. Oh, it's smooth. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like it. Again, it's got that nice German flavor. Yes, it sure does. <laughs> and, you know, me being cinnamon Czech and German, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> Something sweet in here. Mm. That's very yeah. nice. That's the only description they have up of it, but you're right. It does have a slight, a slight simony, ta yeah. simony, simony, like simony, taste to simony. it. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, that's yeah, nice. I like it. It's um, it's it's not heavy enough to uh, to hold you back, but uh, I could see this on a nice spring day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost warming. Yeah, yeah. I would also say that it doesn't. Following the uh, the pilsner we just had, this is that doesn't doesn't destroy that taste. It You're complements right. in such a way that it, it would I would have no problem drinking the pilsner and then drinking this next. You're right. Yeah, with Agreed. the other way around, I'm not sure if it would have worked. You're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. well, you planned as we learned in our last podcast. <laughs> yes, yeah, we made that mistake last time. I get it. <laughs> well, that's how they always say do wine tastings from you know light to dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, we started with a porter last time, <laughs> which is delicious. Right, uh, it just didn't I'm go well with, with the sour afterwards. But then we had a sour ale afterwards. Sour, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is great with like Gumby said fish. Yeah, yep. In honor of the sour wine presented to Jesus as he hung upon the cross. Yes, there you go. They handed him some sour wine. They put a sponge on a reed, handed up to him, and he drank from it. And and there's a whole fascinating story about what Scott, uh, Dr. Scott Hahn says about the fourth cup, and that that is the fourth cup that Jesus drank at that time. So interesting. I, I love Scott Hahn. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, he's he's, very good. he's fun to listen to. He's he's cool because he's almost borderline. He has that like like that that preacher voice, right? But at the same yeah. time, he's got all the Catholic theology. So he's he's, he's a good mix. He's good. <laughs> he's fun to listen to. So before you move on to the next one, I got a question about the previous ones. Okay. Um, not knowing, why is it all called apparitions instead of miracles? Or Because, you know, from where I would come, we would just call them miracles. I know that they are miracles. Right. Like, I get that. But is it just a verbiage thing? Is it, or are they called apparitions? You know, the reason that they would be called an apparition is just that... I mean, I guess we typically would see an apparition as like a ghost, right? Right. And they're not—they're not ghosts, but certainly they might appear to be ghosts or some kind of spirit to somebody who would see it. So the children who had seen it at Fatima, or you know, Juan Diego. So when we say apparition, they saw something physically. Mm -hmm. In many cases, they're the only ones who could see it. Mm, so you'll okay. see at Fatima, the three children are the only ones who can see our Blessed Mother. No one else can see her. When they have the, you know, all they all crowd into this field. 
thousands of people and the children can see our blessed mother nobody else can right so it's not like a physical presentation but an apparition is like an appearance of, of something that you can physically see describe um i don't know if you can touch i don't know of any situation where you can touch the apparition but you could certainly see and describe and hear you know nobody else could hear okay all right yeah. that's good to know <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of Fatima, <laughs> so it happened in the spring of uh, 1917. Um, I don't know if you want to elaborate on this one, but it's it happened in Portugal, in Fatima, which which the government at the time I found out was actually very atheist. Yes, you're exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right. I mean, these were three small children, you know, uh, uh, like five and seven. Uh, two, were, I think, were five. One was seven years old. And again, they were out with their sheep, and they were um, playing around, and then this woman appeared to them and told them to pray and to come back on the 13th of every month. And so they did that for, all, for six months, except one month they didn't come on that because they were detained. They weren't able to do that. But their, the reputation this began to grow, and the government tried to stifle it and tried to say, this is fake, it's not true. And, and these poor kids, uh, all three who are saints now, were um, questioned, were uh, threatened to be boiled in oil at some point if they didn't recant their story. And By authorities. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't do it. They separated from their parents. They took him. They said, we're going to literally boil you in oil. Here's oil here. We're going to boil you in oil. If they didn't recant? Yes. By church authorities? No, 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 no. no, no this no. government. The government authorities. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, very yeah. much atheist yes. government. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So they held to their story. And they said... You know, this is what we saw, and we're not going to deny it. Even Lucia, she's the uh, oldest of the three children, her, her mother was not overly favorable about this message. And it brought a little scandal to the family because, you know, this brought a lot of controversy to the small town of Fatima that these three children were talking about they'd seen our Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. And people began coming in from all throughout the country and coming to see the, this, this woman who had appeared to them and told them to pray the rosary. Interestingly enough, there was also uh, an apparition, or, uh, well, our Blessed Mother showed the three children, I believe in July of 1917, a vision of hell. And they say that this was so frightening that if they were ever dis to describe it, uh, it would be, um, it would be, it's almost indescribable how frightening hell would be. Okay. So, uh, you know, then again, these were three little kids. Yeah. And they had to relate all this. And write all this down, and to and continually document this type of thing. I've heard of that story. Wasn't there one that was being held for the longest time that was finally going to be released? The last letter that she had, or something. Yeah, like that? Oh, yeah. three secrets. The right. Yeah, that's a whole controversy with the three secrets. <laughs> okay, so. all right. But uh, it's certainly but I mean, prophetic. Prophetic, very much prophetic, very much prophetic, very much. So you know, on the last day, on October thirteenth, when. Uh, our, our Lady of Fatima, you know, she said, I'll, I'll appear on, on October 13th. And then there were thousands and thousands, 100,000 people you stay there. And that's true. Thousands of people coming in. It was raining. It was muddy. Uh, and the children uh, were there. And they, she appeared to them. And then a miracle, the miracle of the sun happened, which is what they call it, is that the sun seemed to spin in the mm -hmm. sky and then seemed to careened towards the earth as if it was going to crush the people. And they were screaming, yelling, and then the sun retracted up into the sky, and the people were completely dry, even though they had been drenched 
10 seconds before, and the ground was completely dry. And so they call this the miracle of the sun. There are pictures of this you can find, you know, I'm yeah. sure in your research you found pictures I of this. I did, I did. Yeah, it's fascinating. There was so present. They estimate that inside the the field, um, around seventy thousand people were present to watch it. I did find news clippings from that time of people, and these are secular papers mm-hmm. that wrote about it, and they did see all these events happen. They I mean, they did see Mary, but they did see the sun come down and. Um, now they do estimate. Here's I didn't realize this, but they did say that all the surrounding areas could see the miracle as well. So they say if you include all the people in the surrounding farms and all of that that surrounded the area, it was probably up to a hundred thousand people that saw the miracle. Okay. So yeah. amazing, amazing miracle. So amazing let me get miracles. my skepticism out of the way. Oh yeah, go ahead. Let's do without the fact that it probably wasn't a government institution and UFO. Type of thing, you know, government testing their equipment or whatever, because oh, that well, technology is, didn't exist a, no, back then. Not back then, <laughs> so you couldn't do it. That's pretty wild. That's a lot of witnesses at one time. Well, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and again, who wrote about it? That that would be my only, the only way that I could say, uh, you know, if it were in the '60s and '70s, I'd say, well, you know, it our government could be testing sure. things. You know, yeah. sorry guys, that's probably where I'm going to lean to. But back then in 1917, yeah. they're still using propellers. You're right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, exactly. Even the Nazis, because I don't know if you've ever gone online and you've, you've Googled this, but there's some of the early UFO appearances probably were Nazis because they showed. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. They showed one of the one of the Nazi ships. It's shaped just like a UFO, <laughs> and it's got and it's got propellers on it. Oh my gosh! It wow. actually has propellers on it. It's shaped like a UFO. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So it, so the, some some of the early appearances probably were Nazis, but this this there's no way. I mean, uh, you know, vehicle and propellers can't do that. <laughs> so I, yeah. I I don't I don't. You can maybe edit this out later. I want to put Kendra <laughs> on the spot. I do because. You know, you're like, you're like, you know, both of you are new Catholic. Well, you're kind of a reverted Catholic, but you're a new Catholic. You know, and, and Aaron's like right on the Mary bus. He's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so I want to hear from you, you know, and just want to hear. So I'm sure as he was working on this, he's telling you some of these things, right? Like, oh my gosh, listen to this. Let's, or maybe he wasn't, I don't know. But so what do you think? Um, I haven't really delved deep into researching the miracles of other people. You know, I've had instances in my life where I felt like, um, you know, something has happened for good reason, you know, that I've taken it in prayer, you know, like, hey, (laughs) something's got to give. And I, you know, need the Lord to, you know, try to intervene and help the situation. And before you realize, it's like, wow, Um, you know, it's come to pass journaling is great as yes. a reflection on Absolutely. that you know throughout your life hoping that something will will change and will come to pass and then looking back on it like you know it, it's nearly unbelievable but when it comes to um situations such as this i i i like to delve in myself you know to look into a little deeper into the you know information that he has like you know let me see what is it that you're talking about because um not having been catholic you know (laughs) i'm kind of like okay this is very new to me it's all new absolutely (laughs) 
So, you know, so again, I said this at the beginning of the podcast that uh, these apparitions are private revelation and that we don't need to believe them to adhere to the Catholic faith. They are not a dogma of the Catholic faith. So, you know, people can choose whether they want to follow, you know, the message of Fatima or pray to Our Lady of Fatima as, as, a, as a devotion or not. It doesn't hinge on their ability to call themselves Catholic. So I guess, you know, I, and, and, and again, um, we're, you know, halfway done with this second um, uh, stout. It's nice. Uh, it's good. So I, I just would be curious to hear, though, you know, speaking honestly, is this does this all seem kind of weird to you? Does it seem like, is it hard? Um, have you, have, I mean, have you been able to pick up the rosary? Have you... I, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm really not. But I do think that, you know, that, that's helpful for people to hear. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's baby steps. It really is. It, for for anyone to come about in a way where something is so new, you yeah. know, it, it not in, ridiculously, you know, outside of the realm of what I feel my goddess, you know, is present for and things of that nature. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just baby stuff. So many people have, I've, I've heard so many people say to me things like, okay, well, you know, Catholicism people, they, they go in there and they spill all their guts to the priest. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. why is it that they have to go to, you know, a, a man and, you know, profess what it is they have to say. And, you know, some people just feel more confident and, taking their their prayers you know right to god and they're like well you know i don't get it well a lot of people have issues with closure too sure, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of people have issues to where they can't find that closure and being able to profess to that person that they've done you know wrong to right maybe that person's no longer there right. <laughs> um and a priest, I don't know. I'd like to hear. You know, it, it would be better to hear your side sure. of it. But you know, a, a priest is not to disclose anything right. that they're, you know, they're confessing, professing. Um, so it's not about going and spilling all of their, you know, their secrets and things. It's it, it's a matter of you know sometimes you want someone to talk to and it's getting it off of your chest and you know that priest is someone who is righteous and you know follows a, a sure, just lifestyle sure. and who better to go to than someone who is following you know the way of the lord <laughs> sure. well part of it you know is is for the priest to be able well actually for the for the penitent to be able to come into the confessional and articulate those sins. So it's very easy for us to justify, you know, and say like, you know, I didn't really mean to cut somebody off, but you cut somebody off, you know, when you were driving and <laughs> you might have caused an accident. And so when you say to the priest, you know, I'm confessing that I cut somebody off and then I don't know, maybe they had an accident, maybe they didn't, I sped away. I'm not quite sure. So to hear yourself say that makes those sins very real. And in a way where you can't justify it. So I used to use the example with the kids. I'd say, okay, so when you go get your hair cut, which I don't do anymore, you don't do either. Well, you, still, you guys still do. So when you go get your hair cut, you know, you really don't cut your own hair because usually it ends up being awful. 
And it's the same way with confession in that a lot of ways you can't see some parts of your head. So just like when you go to the barber, you can't see the back of your head to cut yeah. it. So the same way with confession, with your soul, you, you, know, you can't always see. There are some hidden parts to you, mm. and it's up to the priest to help draw those out of you and to help you with that. And part of it as well is the beauty of the sacrament is to, is to for, the, for the priest to help the person forgive themselves. That's the biggest trial that people have when they come to the sacrament of penance. They can't forgive themselves. Mm. They really struggle with that. And they say, you know, I want to believe that God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Yeah, yeah. How hard. Mm. So, yeah. so yes. I get all that, though. I mean, so you're very practical. I love that. You know, you're kind of like, you know, well, this is what, you know, it's do, and I just, and maybe some of the Mary stuff may not seem overly practical. I get that, you know. So, so those are things that um, you wait for her to, to come to you. Mm-hmm. And I think she does. Uh, I think she does. People often echo the words of Elizabeth, you know, the cousin of our Blessed Mother and the visitation. And Mary goes to see uh, Elizabeth and, and Elizabeth says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Yeah. It's so beautiful. But I believe that myself as well. I believe that uh, Mary has made herself known to me and I believe as a priest, I'm one of her sons. So, you know, I, I think about that. I reflect upon those words often. Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Wow. I'm just a humble priest here in old Brooklyn, Ohio, and <laughs> little parish is trying to do the best I can. So, um, as she comes to us, and she'll come at some point. She really does. It's pretty amazing. So, I really did not mean to put you on the spot. But, no, it's all good. It's yeah, all good. But I thought that, you know, you're sitting here, and like, let's. She balances. Well, that's what I thought. Out. I thought that was good, and and, and I think you know the, the the feminine voice is always appreciated. Absolutely. Oh, so yeah. I, I got a question for her then in regards to the apparitions. Then, but I like this. Are these, they're all on you now. No, no. <laughs> well, because you know you have you have an evangelical upbringing too, right? Just like me. So, are these apparitions and these miracles? Uh, any less or more hard to believe than the ones we have to accept in faith growing up in Christianity and, you know, all the stuff that we were taught to believe, to accept on faith? I mean, is this any harder to believe the message of Fatima than splitting the Red Sea? Right. Well, Not necessarily, point. no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. No, it's just a matter of you know, we weren't necessarily raised on, you know, the miracles related to, I guess you could say related to Catholicism, you know, that mm-hmm. we haven't necessarily heard of, you know, this plethora of miracles that has taken place. And it's, you know, something to look at. You know, it, it takes time to, to, you know, I guess do your research and to say, okay, you know, what are the details, you know, with, with anything. Like, I don't, personally, I believe in miracles. I believe that I've had miracles come to pass for me and sure. people in my family and yeah. people that I know, you know. I don't disregard any of that. Um, That's cool to hear. You See, know. What, women are so much... We're accepting of that, and that's why we need the morale. Because my wife's the same way. Uh-huh. You know, I, I'm very skeptical, but you know, they they tend to just, I don't know. There's a, a discernment, like a like almost like a sixth sense, you know. I would um, agree with that. Yeah. That. <laughs> so then, you know, look at how then our Lord has given us 
his mother as someone of, of devotion and veneration. Mm-hmm. Again, for that female perspective. And, mm-hmm. and who can identify with Mary and what she went through in her life? I mean, life-changing events. Her life turned on a dime on several occasions. And to be able to deal with that, that's, you know, that, that's, that's hard. And, yeah. and I often tell parents who lose a child, I say, look at Mary. I mean, she had yeah. to endure that too. She had to watch her son die before her very eyes. I mean, that's a, that's a tragedy. No, that, no mother uh, should do I have that. Dealt par- I've dealt with parents who have, who have had to respond to that. Yeah, my mother's and, had to deal with that, losing a brother. So very uh, it's hard. very unnatural. It is. Very anti-creation. You're exactly right. Yeah. And I, you know, I tell these parents, I said, certainly there's a name. You know, when, when a child loses parents, he's an orphan. Yeah. And uh, there's no name for when a parent loses a child. Yeah, there's, you know, yeah. When a, when, a, when a husband loses a wife, you know, widow, widower, those types of things. There's no name when a, when a mm. parent loses a child. There just isn't. Yeah. So, so hard. Really difficult. I forget, I forget which gospel it was then when... Uh, when uh, she was told that a sword would pierce her own soul. Mm. I believe that was Luke as well. Luke is a very marrying gospel, and I believe that's when she went to the temple to present the infant Jesus, and uh, the uh, elderly Simeon, who had been waiting for this his entire life, finally realized the Messiah is here, and he's joyful, but he tells Mary as well, that yeah. sword is yeah, going yeah. to pierce your soul. Ooh. So, so far what I like about the Catholic perspective, all right, from the one Protestant here... <laughs> Uh, is that, you know, they, they don't say that you have to, this isn't dogma. Right. This is not, um, you, you don't have to necessarily accept it or believe in it to be a part of your faith. I didn't always feel that was an option the way I grew up with the things that we were told. You just, it, there's no questioning it. You just accept it blindly. And that's, that's the end of the story. Now, though, related to that, though, the, the dogmas of the faith regarding our Blessed Mother, though, are that... She was, you know, she remained a virgin throughout her life. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a dogma of the faith, that she was born without sin. Those are two dogmas of our faith. So those as Catholics, we have to believe those. Sure. But these various apparitions, it's private revelation. Yes, so yes, yes, yes. We yes, can yes. pick and choose. Right. What you decide what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And to finish off this, because we only have one more after this, um, the message of her was really interesting. So if you go into it, it says, in the Gospels, the word penance means a conversion of one's life, a turning away from sin and a turning back to God. As Our Lady insisted at Fatima, men must amend their lives and ask pardon for their sins. They must no longer offend our Lord, who is already so much offended. So it, again, repentance being such a huge part of Fatima. Mm. Um, St. Lucia wrote, uh, the part of the last apparition which has remained most deeply imprinted on my heart is the prayer of our Heavenly Mother begging us not to offend any more Almighty God who is already so much offended. And Our Lady told the children in, in uh, 1917, Pray much and make sacrifice for sinners, for many souls go to hell because there is no one to make sacrifice for them. The, the, and then uh, again, St. Lucia again, the good Lord is allowing himself to be appeased, but he himself complains most bitterly and sorrowfully about the small number of souls in his grace who are willing to renounce whatever the observance of his laws require of them. Now, interesting about this apparition is that the children were prepared for a year before. 
1916, they received several appearances by an angel, the angel of Fatima, they call it. And this angel taught them several prayers, gave, I think, little Francisco his first Holy Communion. And so through the, the, the presence of this angel, they were prepared to be able to see Our Lady of Fatima and to be able to present to her, you know, to be able to present her message then to the world. So uh, there was, people don't often talk about the angel of Fatima the year before, but that was a whole part of this process as well. These three children were selected from a very early time. And this was in Europe? Portugal, yeah. Portugal, yeah. So you, you had said prior that it was a very atheist government, which, which is true. Yeah. Uh, 1917 was a very uh, was around the time of the uh, Bolshevism. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Atheist. I hadn't thought of that. Exactly. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I would imagine anything that was going to give credence to anything of the spiritual nature would have to be crushed in Europe. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, it's interesting to note. Yeah, and again, she said, "Offer up." everything in your power as a sacrifice to the Lord in reparation for the sins by which he is offended and in supplication for the conversion of sinners. More than all else, accept and bear with resignation the suffering that God may send you. And um, about the rosary, I thought this was really interesting because the rosary always echoes throughout all of her messages. Um, she was referred to as the Lady of the Rosary and she said... You must recite the rosary every day. And now here's, here's the fun part. Here's the fun part. Not for yourself. You must recite the rosary every day in honor of Our Lady of the Rosary to obtain peace for the world and the end of the war, for only she can obtain this. So it's really interesting is that she really, really insisted on this for world peace. And that kind of echoes through all of the, all of oh, the messages. Oh, absolutely. Yes, she prays for peace all the time. Absolutely. So, uh, and the war, is, is she talking specifically World, World War, War One? Yeah. Now, she did say if the wickedness, now, and this was really interesting because she predicted World War II if people did not repent. I've heard about that, yes. Yeah. Um, and the communist movement she foretold, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, there, I mean, there are those who have a lot of controversies about the third secret and feel like it's not been entirely revealed and. In the early 60s, it became a lot, it gained a lot of traction in that this third secret really held some kind of apocalyptic type of message for the world, and people were very afraid. In fact, I've talked to some people who were children in Catholic schools at that time, and I think there was some kind of rumors that the third secret was going to be revealed in the early 60s, and this one woman told me that her nun, who was her teacher, said to her, we won't be here Monday, so see you later, we'll see you in heaven. And these children were frightened to death. I mean, they're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And of course, you know, Third Secret was revealed. It was, wasn't anything like that. Mm. But there's been a lot of controversy and a lot of conspiracy theorists about the Third Secret. So yeah, that, that's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't get real caught up in it because you can really make yourself nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard so many things from so many different YouTube yes, channels. absolutely. And it could almost lend itself to delegitimize the faith. Exactly right. Because you'll be spinning around. You'll be chasing your own tail everywhere. You're exactly right. You know, exactly and, and not right. doing spiritual work yeah. to further yeah. the kingdom. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. yeah. That brings us to the last apparition that I have for tonight. And I actually added this because you requested it. Yeah, I love, I love Our Lady of Akita. I, I didn't know Our Lady yeah. of Akita. It's this really interesting. One, right? yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't know about it, and it's it's fascinating. Actually, Sister uh, Sasako is still alive. Oh, I did not know that. 
I didn't know that. That's the most recent one, yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah, she's she's still one of the nuns there. So and this is just mind blowing. So um so she appeared in Japan. Um let's go over this a little bit. So she was born premature and she suffered from poor health most of her life. Um, she had to have an appendix operation and she was immobile for over a decade. Hmm. So she suffered a lot, like a lot. Uh, her health reportedly improved after drinking water from Lourdes. Kind of kind of uh, connected there, right? <laughs> well, under the care of a Catholic nun. After going totally deaf, she went to live with the nuns near Atikita. Just a side note. I was oh, once approached Please. by a woman who came to me and wanted me to bless all of this holy water right around Thanksgiving. I said, what are you going to do with this? I'm going to serve it to my family on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> so they drank holy water. <laughs> did did anything come? I I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> but so what I think about her drinking this water from Lords uh, Lords, I can't help but think of that woman who wanted. I might me. have you bless the rest of this beer. Before <laughs> <you>. <laughs> I always think of that woman who's you know her family unwittingly is drinking holy water, and she was probably gleeful the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, what's fascinating about her is that as uh, as Our Lady appeared to her. Um, she could hear her. Obviously, others did not. Um, but she also developed a stigmata. As the uh, as the statue itself developed a stigmata, it mirrored the stigmata. That I found fascinating. Yeah. I found fascinating because she was appearing to her, and the statue itself developed the same stigmata that she had. Oh, okay, so explain that to me. Stigmata is that the the, the marks of Jesus Christ? Okay, on All the right. cross. And usually, usually they are, you know, more than they are visible. They are bleeding. They are open wounds. Typically, they've been Padre Pio is probably the most well-known stigmatist in time. But Saint Francis of Assisi had the stigmata, uh, and and there are those who say that Rhoda Wise, who's from Canton, Ohio, had the stigmata, and there are actually pictures of her where blood is even coming from her eyes. From a Good Friday, she would just expel all of this blood as a part of the stigmata. And from everything I've read, that was not fake. That they checked to see, it wasn't fake. So if it was self-induced, or, right? That's what they yeah. say it wasn't. Yeah. So she had the stigmata too, you know, in some sense. Once again, you clip my my wings. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you'd like to think, you know, certainly in today's day and CGI technology and all of those right. things, that someone could fake this really well. Yeah. But yeah. most of these things happened in a time before this technology existed. Exactly. This so, was 73, right? So. Well, this was 73. You know, Rhoda Wise was in the 50s. Right. St. Francis, of course, was much earlier than that. Padre Pio, was, his stigmata was 50s, 60s. So, yeah. so it's fascinating. And, and not only that, so the statue itself, uh, the statue of Mary, would respond. So she cried 101 times, and it was caught on the news channels. The news showed up and recorded the statue crying. So it's not like it was... It's hard to fake it when a news crew is on site recording it, looking around the statue, checking it out. There's no tubes. So this was all verified. <laughs> and you saw these videos on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, I've seen them. I've not seen yeah, those. I saw. Uh, I don't think it was YouTube though. I found. I found one of them. Did you? Right? I, I don't think it was YouTube though. But, yeah. but it was a Japanese news report. Yeah. 
and she's crying. No, I take it back. It was pictures. It was pictures. Okay. Okay. I took pictures. I saw pictures of it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So there are actual pictures from the broadcast of of the statue actually crying. Wow. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. I do have. If you want to read it later, mm-hmm. I have a two hundred page journal on this. Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got the time. And it goes through, and, and it actually it, it even chronicles the doctor who went through and examined the tears and examined the blood of the statue as it was crying and bleeding. And it was human tears and human blood with an actual blood type. Mm. <laughs> so. well, and, and the statue, you know, as I've seen it, again, was, was, was of Japanese nationality. Correct? It was. Yes, yes yeah. she was. Because that's, again, how all these apparitions have been. That's, that's probably the most common across the board. Right. She always, she always appears in their nationality. So she relates to the culture. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Now, I would be interested in... in uh, Sister Saskawa, I would be interested in, in, again, you know, Mary often appears to innocence or, again, to people who are, you know, maybe with some limited mental capabilities, things like that. I'd be interested in what they had thought about her uh, because those people, we believe, or children, we believe that they're they're the most willing to accept. You know, us as adults Mm. and intelligent and we're jaded and hardened and... You That's know, a great point. We yeah. don't we look past those types of things. So, did you find anything in your research about her mental capabilities? Or no, actually, I'm very interested in that. I, I then again, I didn't make it through all 200 pages yet yeah. either. So, so what have you been doing? Huh? I can I can say that to all of you. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a full 200 page yeah. journal, and and he did a very nice job chronicling like everything in there. So, yeah, yeah I mean, he's I mean, day by day, you could tell that he chronicled like everything. I mean, it, it was really impressive. It was really impressive. He did a thorough job checking everything out. Okay. Um, like, right, even mentioned the news crews and going over the blood types. And, I mean, fascinating stuff. All right. I mean, now, again, my skeptical side would say. Please go. Yeah, no, no, go, go. If this was American media, you know, I'm just not going to accept everything. I'm, I have to. Well, I, you're right. I can't. Again, the Buddhist mayor. But the Buddhist mayor. That it was. With, with Japanese, is it Japan? Japan. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like the Japanese. <laughs> Let me ask this. So, so Kendra, I'd like to get you into this again. I uh, have your children ever come and have have they ever seen anything? Have they ever seen anybody or anybody ever talk? I just would be curious about that. Um, no, not really. They no, haven't. No, because there are children who have, and I've been called to some homes sometimes where. A kid will say, like, yeah, something creepy is, like a creepy person is around or a creepy presence is there. And then the parents say, just bless the house, please. We just want you to bless the house. And so I've done that, and, they, and then I'll say, what is, what's going on now? They said, it's better. Yeah. Better. So, but your I, kids haven't. Not, not my children. My children have never come to me saying, you know, I have a feeling of, you know, some such. I was just curious, because I mean, you're... you're your your kids, I think, are are very you know well adjusted, and uh, I think they're they're rambunctious. I mean, and I love that about them. But they're also, I mean, they're they're good kids, so they don't yeah. they don't set out to you know to to you know pick fights with people or to criticize or insult. You know, they don't do those things. They're just they're they're, they're fun loving kids. They're kids, and that's what's great in the purest sense. So as we're talking about how Mary appeared to. You know, these innocent souls. I just wondered if maybe your children had seen anything, but you, mm-hmm. not yet. No, 
Okay. <laughs> oh, you were yeah. going to say that you know something. Yeah, well, I guess not necessarily in relation to Mary, per se, but, you know, in the line of miracles and things of that nature, um, dreams. They're, I, I'm not going to go into detail about the dream, but um, at a church that we had previously attended, there was something something going on, you know, to where I, I, had, I had this dream and I, I had taken it to my pastor and I was like, look, I, I had this dream and I feel like that it, it's some type of a warning. And it came to pass that, you know, something happened and it, it was a matter of, wow, you know, that, that really is substantial and, you wow. know, that you had that dream. And I just feel like sometimes, sometimes certain dreams that we have, um, will in fact come to pass. So I'm very conscious of, you know, some, sometimes it's just, you know, a dream. And other right. times I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That was a warning sign. So right. I really... Um, Your pastor took you seriously. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I really, um, you know, sometimes dwell on that stuff. Like, uh, that to me is a warning sign. So I really, you know, better be careful. And um, When I was a kid, I remember there was a superstition. And again, I... I'm a Catholic priest. I don't believe in superstitions. I really don't. But that they said that if you told what a dream was about before breakfast, it would come true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was like, oh, I'm not going to say this out loud. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, probably something like that. Huh? But no, that's great, Kendra. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I do think that certainly there are numerous instances throughout sacred scripture in which angels appeared to St. Joseph especially. St. Joseph had several, you know, dreams in which an angel spoke to him. And and I believe that that's, you know, that that is possible, and I believe that that's very realistic, and that when there can be messages in our dreams. And the same type of thing when, you know, our Blessed Mother appears to the innocent souls, I believe that when we're sleeping, our defenses are down, our skepticism is lowered, and we're much more susceptible to receiving yeah. maybe a message that we should be receiving. That's very true. When we're more balanced as humans. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly very right. Very true. So, so that's great. Question. Why Mary so much and not Jesus? And this is only because I don't understand the Catholic perspective or the Catholic theology or... But um, that's the next show. Because <laughs> certainly there have been, you know, St. Margaret Mary, Jesus appeared to her. And that was when the whole devotion of the Sacred Heart originated, and this, this, um, you know, that, that there's a, there's a great devotion to the Sacred Heart, and this heart overflowing with love, so on fire with love for all of humanity that it can't be contained in his chest; it's bursting out of his chest. And and Saint Margaret Mary uh, received those apparitions from Jesus, in which he told her, you know, people need to go to communion on First Fridays and do a practice of First Friday of reparation and offering reparation. Again, similar message to our Blessed Mother. So Jesus appeared to her. A absolutely. Okay, gotcha. Yes. All right. And this was accepted, went through the process. Absolutely, like all yes. All right, yeah. good. I just didn't know. And then there's also the instance of the Polish nun, St. Faustina Kowalska, who the Divine Mercy image, uh, she generated that through her apparitions, but Jesus appeared to her. She has a whole diary written about for uh, messages from Jesus. So. All right, now you're just showing off. <laughs> no, no, well, so he comes. He comes, but he comes to people. But so this is, but this is Mary's show because yeah, yeah, we yeah. say that this month of May is dedicated to our Blessed Mother. I didn't you know, know that. Well, right. there's one letter different. I tell my school kids. 
there's one letter difference between May and Mary. Mm. And then I ask them, what is it? And they say, ah, yikes. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, so May has always been a traditional month for okay. devotion to Mary. And, and I don't know if it's because of the similar in the name. I really don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's always been a month dedicated to her. What I appreciate about that is that from an uh, Protestant evangelical side, it seems like, um, and I'm trying to be gentle about what I say to my own brethren, that uh, that the woman has kind of been snuffed to the side a bit. I could see that. And so with the Catholic perspective, it seems a little bit more imbalanced. It seems in balance where she's given her rightful place. I agree with that. You know, so at, if you lean too far to one side and you could almost understand why the whole feminist movement would birth. Yeah. You know, where a woman is suppressed and oppressed so much under bad theology, you could understand why something would birth. I agree with that. Or, or if it's the other way, things just seem more natural, more in balance. I've often told, you know, I've preached about it before that men, you should treat the women in your lives like, like they are representations of the Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. And in treating them in such a way with such dignity and respect <laughs> <laughs> and, and love and yeah. devotion and veneration, all of those things are so important. Yeah. Because without Mary, we have no Jesus. You know, I think we agree on that. I mean, yeah. certainly no one denies she's the mother of Jesus. Right. Well, some might, but in this room, <laughs> nobody denies that she's the mother of and Jesus. And none of the three major faiths. Would, no, so. exactly yeah. right. She is the mother of Jesus. Nobody denies that. Yeah. And so whether you believe in her intercessory ability, certainly we believe in her exalted place in our faith. We mm-hmm. all do. Yeah. So I think that's why these, these apparitions are just so powerful. Yeah. I agree. I like it. I agree. It, it, I, I agree with what, what, what you were saying because when a certain relative <laughs> found out I was going Catholic, I'll, I'll leave them nameless, still knowing they listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the things they, they immediately brought up, well, all right, come on, come on. you guys worship Mary. It's like, no, no, we don't. No, we don't. Well, yeah, a priest told me that. I don't. I course. really, yeah. I, I really don't think a priest said that, but we could talk about that at a later time. <laughs> He's like, well, well, oh, listen, listen. We we don't pray to Mary, you know. It, she's she's part of our faith. She's a creature like us, but she's exalted because she literally birthed God. <laughs> and he's like, right. yeah, yeah. And, and his immediate response, his immediate response was, Mary's nothing. She's nothing. And I was like, mm. oh God. So, right. She was so, chosen to be a vessel to carry Jesus. I mean, that's yeah. powerful. Yeah. Very powerful. Well, she's and she's the only one in the entire Bible when addressed by an angel, the only one who is that terminology hailed is actually very significant. Very significant. But on top of that, she's the only one in the entire Bible called full of grace. And what is original sin but the absence of grace, right? right? So it's She's the only one. Yeah. So, and and from an evangelical standpoint, the only time I've ever heard a sermon referencing Mary is when Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's the only time, and then it gets tucked away. I don't hear about women. Well, I can't say that too much. That's a broad sweep. 
Sometimes you'll hear about other women. But Mary specifically, it's only Christmas. Yeah. Let me just say this, too. Let me just get on my soapbox about the <laughs> the ever-growing go Christmas ahead, go, hymn go. called Mary, Did You Know? She knew, okay? I just played she it. She knew. Played it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She knew. She knew. She knew. Stop asking if she knew, because she did. Yeah. She knew, okay? Just want to make that clear. I'm going to rewrite the song. Mary, you did know. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Man. I like that. I just just, this is guy <laughs> you know, called Gabriel. I don't know, maybe you heard of him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to wrap up the last apparition, uh, she her three messages. One was pray very much of the rosary. Again, I am still able to save you from the calamities which approach. Um, and again, from out of she's not comparing herself to God. She's comparing herself among the first of, you know, the people who are saved. So, okay. So, so among all the creatures who've been saved, she's the closest to God. And so she is able to pray for us. So, and again, and in that, you know, she very much does. And on top of that, the second message, many men in this world afflict the Lord. This sounds very familiar to Fatima, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I desire souls to console him, to soften the anger of the Heavenly Father. I wish with my son for souls who will repair by their suffering and their poverty for the sinners and the ingrates. And the last one gets a little deeper. (laughs) Out of my glasses. (laughs) Right. (laughs) My dear daughter, listen well to what I have to say to you. You will inform your superior... Meaning the bishop. As I told you, if men do not repent and better themselves, the Father will inflict a terrible punishment on all humanity. It will be punishment greater than the deluge, such as one never have seen before. Fire will fall from the sky and will wipe out a great part of humanity. The good as well as the bad, sparing neither priests nor faithful, the survivors will find themselves so desolate that they will envy the dead. The only arms which remain for you will be the rosary and the sign left by my son. Each day recite the prayer of the rosary with the, ro- with the rosary prayer for the bishop. Well, I'm sorry. With the rosary, pray for the bishop and the priests. The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals and bishops against other bishops. The priests who venerate me will become scorned and opposed by their converse. Churches and altars sacked. The church will be full of those who accept compromises and demons will repress many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. The demon will be especially implacable against souls consecrated to God. The thought of the loss of so many souls is the cause of my sadness. If sins increase in number and gravity, there will be no longer pardon for them. With courage, speak to your superior. He will know how to encourage each of you to pray and to accomplish works of reparation. It is Bishop Ito who directs your community. You have still something to ask. Today is the last time that I will speak to you in living voice. From now on, you will obey the one sent to you and your superior. Pray very much the prayers of the rosary. I alone am able to save you from the calamities which approach. Those who place their confidence in me will be saved. And that was the final, the final message she left. This is still Akita. Yes, at Akita. Okay. 
So, I mean, the comments I have about this is certainly that uh, she she has a limited time of speaking to the person she's speaking to. So these messages don't carry on for years and years and years afterwards. So the church looks at that, and I think that they see that as valid apparitions when Mary is, is, is only speaking for a specific amount of time. The other thing is, is it's common to many of these apparitions is this idea of the great chastisement and that this sense of that there's going to be this time of great dread, of time of persecution of the faith, of a time where you know it's going to be very difficult for, for all of us who are people of faith, and, and that there will be not only persecutions, but physical calamities that will happen throughout this. So uh, that's real common to some of these apparitions, is a sense of, of what's, what people call the great chastisement. Mm. Some say that we are headed for that, you know, and you can... Google the great chastisement. You'll find people will say it starts tomorrow. I mean, I don't know. So um, <laughs> I hope it doesn't. What, what year was this? About what time frame? 1973 and into, yeah. I think, 74, right? Right, so yes. Yeah. yeah, early 70s. Wow. Oh, that's when I was born. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, not you. <laughs> so we, we look at that and, and we see that, you know, again, the, the message of the rosary is is is. For, it's, it's across the board in almost all of these apparitions yeah. that the sense of relying upon those prayers and praying it daily is so powerful. So I mean, that's why, you know, as a priest, I carry my rosary with me every day. I have it with me all the time. It's, it's to me, it's, it's, uh, Padre Pio is calling it, you know, the spiritual weapon that all of us need to have. And I look at it as such as that. Yeah. I carry mine with mm. me every day now. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's really interesting is that there is um, echoes of, of God listening to those prayers because if you look at, say, the second, I think it was the second secret of Fatima, uh, the white bishop. Being, that was the third secret. The, oh, that was the third, okay. That was the actually the third where they okay. said a bishop dressed in white would be struck down, yeah. yeah. Which was Pope John Paul II. Yes, exactly right. And it was only through prayer that he was saved. right. Was so, that the assassination? Yes. Is that showing up? 81, yeah. yep. And it happened on mm. May 13th, which was the day of the first apparition of Our Lady of Fatima. That's the day he, the assassination was attempted. Mm. So that's also... Dates are very significant, aren't they? Yes, it's they also are. my ordination day. That's when I was, oh, I was ordained a priest. It was May awesome. 13th. So yeah, coming oh, up. Wow. Coming up. So, but the other great thing about that, so then what John Paul did, St. John Paul did, is they, they uh, one of the bullets they extracted from his body, he went to Fatima and he had it placed within the crown of the image of our Blessed Mother. And so that would always remain there as a sign of thanksgiving for her intercession because he believes that she saved his life yeah. from that assassin. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. Again, through, through prayer and right. supplication. Yeah. And his motto was totus tuus, which is Latin for, you know, completely yours. And that was, you know, in homage to our Blessed Mother, that he always said, you know, I'm completely yours. Yeah, I I belong to you, and so he had such a great devotion to her. That was a gutsy pope. Yeah, he was. Oh, he sure was. He was very Absolutely, gutsy, man. he went against all the political norms at the time. Let me so yeah, I can understand why there were he was marked. Yeah, what I love most about John Paul II is that not only did he teach us how to live, he taught us how to die. And when you look at those images of him in the last years of his life, with his head you know drooped to the side and with you know, barely, barely able to speak, couldn't even understand him. And he still maintained his presence as Pope and still came out and did some masses and did other devotional activities, addressed the people. But 
here was a man whose dignity of life was by many by many people's opinions substandard and yeah. and they felt like gosh retire or why are you still doing this or <laughs> you know your life has no value you're 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 incapacitated well that's not true i mean he showed us that life is valuable from you know from the moment of conception until the moment that that our lord takes our soul to heaven yeah so we we firmly believe that. I tell I tell some of the elderly all the time. I can't do what I used to do. I feel so bad. Our life is not valued because of productivity. That's the American way. We think that it is. <laughs> yeah, we think yes, we do. The more that we do, the more that we do, the more that we do, then that's how valuable our life is. Not true. The Lord values our life just because it's it was given to us. It's a gift to us. It's our life. So if we're not productive, we're not productive. That's what it is. We, our life is still valuable. Doesn't mean it should be extinguished. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah. I really wish George could have been here with us tonight. <laughs> He'd have probably been more quiet than me. <laughs> Maybe part two, huh? There we go. Part two. <laughs> It'd be, it, I'd really like to dive into each of the specific messages regarding the prophecies and the fulfillment of those prophecies. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah. We'll have to do a follow up then. I mean, because we're, I mean, apparitions it's part two. Pretty modern. Yeah. So, yeah, we can, you know, segregate it. So we can take one and say well, prophecies. We'll apply that and, you know, and the messages, mm-hmm. you know, and that could be like the next segment of it the messages and the prophecies. I think it's very powerful. I do. And, and then when you look at them and you really read what, what Mary was reported to have said, it is very powerful. And it's, it's, um, it just rings true. Just absolutely rings true. Mm. I agree. This has been a fantastic episode. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, very I enjoyed cool. it very much. Your, your research was impeccable. It was very good. You did a great oh. job in researching everything and getting everything together. And oh, thank you so, so much. So grateful for that and grateful for your perspective as well and that oh, you're able you. to offer. You know, again, let's, let's question things. I mean, yeah. that's... That's what that's what strengthens our faith. A few weeks ago, well, actually last week, we had the gospel reading of St. Thomas, who said, you know, I won't believe to see Jesus until I can put my hand into his wounds, and, <laughs> yeah. or my fingers into his wounds, yeah. my hand into his side. And we're all like that in a lot right. of ways. We all have to right. see to believe. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's the beautiful part of faith, yeah. is that, you know, blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. Well, that's... That's the children. That's the innocent souls. Yeah. It's not us. You know, <laughs> right. we're jaded by social media and by everything else going on. It's the children who really will believe, and they're the ones who are to transmit the message. So God bless them. And Kendra, thanks. You know, you were a good, great sport. You let us put you on the spot, and appreciate that very much. So you're a great addition. <laughs> cool. Kendra, any last messages? Oh. <laughs> All right. Gubby? Uh, I appreciate uh, everything that we s- spoke about tonight and learned some good things about the Catholic perspective. And uh, it's great to have this dialogue, and it's very important to keep it open between all faiths and all um, even denominations of certain faiths. And I think from the Christian's perspective, right, the Pentecostal perspective, if I can, <laughs> or Protestant, you know, there's always this disconnect as Catholicism uh, not being a part. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when did that start? Like, why is that happening? <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, no, I know. And, but uh, we need to do better at that. Well, I mean, you know, people will ask, even adults, 
they'll say, are you Christian? No, I'm Catholic. Exactly. I mean, yes. really? But you're Christian. Yes. Exactly. I tell right. them that you're a Christian. Stop saying that. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. So we, you know, there's still some more work to be done in that in that way. Right. Uh, so I appreciate this conversation tonight. I really do. Yeah. I Plus do we had we we drank a couple of good beers. Fantastic so. yeah, beer. Yeah, they were good. Masthead was good. Thank you, Masthead. First miracle. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. This is a nice Sunday night to be able to come here and. and Enjoy a couple beers, have some conversations. So, long day for me, but this is a great way to end it. Awesome. Thank you so much for attending. You're welcome. It was awesome having you here. I You're look welcome. forward to the next time. That's great. Well, invite me again, so I'll <laughs> okay. try to make it work. All right. Don't forget to visit us on Patreon, virtually all social media, and podcast platforms. Have a great night. Hey, it is nothing taboo over brew. <laughs> <laughs>